All right, welcome to this week's Divorce Insight Podcast uh, from Johnson Marquez Legal Group. Today's uh, topic is Who's Your Daddy? Um, parenting actions or paternity actions. Uh, with me today is uh, Zach Chapman, one of our associates. Hello. And we're going to talk about paternity um, in the legal world. So, what? Uh, tell me what we're looking at when it comes to a paternity, uh, establishing paternity. I mean, um, why are we doing it? Well, I mean, the court has to make a legal determination of and adjudicate somebody the father before they can basically hold orders against someone. Um, that could be anywhere from paternity in a case where maybe father didn't know, um, or technically it also the, the paternity adjudication gets made in a divorce or in an allocation of parental responsibilities, uh, the parents usually just acknowledge that at that point. Right, and so um, oftentimes these cases come up because um, because the dad doesn't want to participate, the biological father doesn't want to participate, and the mom needs to go out and establish paternity, but then there's also the case where the mom doesn't want the dad to participate, but the dad does, and so he has to go and establish paternity in order to assert his rights. Um, because until you've established paternity, you don't really get to go to court. I mean, you don't really get to go ask for parenting time and decision-making, right? Yeah, you pretty much lack the standing, is what I guess what they, we would normally say, um, to be able to do anything, because if you're not the father, um, if you're not a biological parent or adjudicated parent to the child, um, you don't have standing to request things unless you meet a couple other criteria um, of an allocation of parental responsibilities. Yeah, and according to uh, the Pew Research Center, which is a pretty credible um, kind of polling agency, I guess, or they're much more than a polling agency, but 40%, 46% of kids live in um, traditional structured families, um, meaning a mom and dad at home um, in their first marriage. Uh, According to Breitbart, not such a uh, reliable um, source, but uh, they say that 14% of kids actually live in a um, mom and dad where the dad works outside the home and mom is a homemaker. So only 14% are the leave it to beavers, according to Breitbart. But Pew says 46% of kids live in traditional structure families. Um, 34%, according to Pew, live in uh, single family or single parent homes. Um, that's a lot of people out there that have to establish paternity. Yeah. Yeah, I was you know, kind of surprised by those numbers. Um, I figured the traditional family would be a little bit lower than the 42%, um, just because of the diverse makeup we are, but absolutely. Um, and like I said, sometimes it comes inherently, but um, usually you're going to have to uh, somehow, some way, admit, find, test, or secure paternity. Right, and uh, so the, the what's the first step? I mean, sometimes paternity is... Uh, presumed by the birth certificate, by who's listed on the birth certificate, right? Yeah, it can be. Sure Just because can. it's on the birth certificate doesn't mean that that's the final say on it, though, right? Absolutely not. That's so why, why is that? Why is that not? That's it. I mean, I, it, it's evidence, but at the same point in time, you know, if father isn't in the birthing room or, or doesn't isn't a part of the birth certificate, he may not even know. I mean, how many cases have you had where somebody comes as a potential client and says, I thought I was on the birth certificate, but it turns out I'm not on the birth certificate or right. vice versa. Or, or they listed somebody else on the birth certificate. So, I mean, really, it's, they, I mean, uh, truth be told, I have never been in that position where I've gotten to choose, but uh, my understanding is they can put whoever's name on it they want, and, and that's that. I mean, they could put Brad Pitt on there, right? Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it doesn't, it doesn't basically uh, obligate anybody to uh, assume parental responsibilities or give them parental rights nope. necessarily. Um, because the court's still got to step in and take that evidence and, and issue orders, right? Right. Um, so how how does a court go about 
um, establishing that uh, somebody's the dad? Well, it's it's done. I think in a couple of ways. There's and like I said, we, we're talking about in, and within family law. There's a couple different areas. There's the divorce cases and the allocation of parental responsibilities. Those are traditionally handled pretty specifically. It's almost a, there's the presumption in a divorce case. Um, and, and allocation of parental responsibilities. If somebody doesn't believe that the father is the father, then they can request a, a paternity action. But that's usually brought up. Um, if not, the court usually just kind of assumes and they basically take it as an admission of, of, of paternity. Um, if you look at the other aspects of a case where sometimes you have to do it, there's a standalone child support enforcement case where they're establishing child support of, of, of parties um, or when you're looking at a pos position where you are filing a petition for paternity. And those actions, more than likely, it's contested who's gonna, who is the father. And at that point in time, you're going to do a paternity test. Right, and, and a paternity test uh, is pretty conclusive, but not a thousand percent, right? right? I think the, I've only ever done them a couple of times. I think the most recent ones that it was 99.9997% the father. Right. They're, they're pretty good. Right. They're pretty reliable. Um, and then that, that, then you would go and take that to court and you would argue that that is conclusive and uh, that uh, the court should grant you standing for uh, the purposes of, of awarding parenting time and decision making, right? Right. And especially if you're going through a paternity case, I mean, you might have already had three or four court appearances or hearings before you even get to that point. First one is kind of establishing what's going on, maybe an argument for a test, review of whether that test has occurred or not, um, and then the next one is going to be reviewing of the paternity test and then taking evidence to determine and at that point in time, usually the court decides whether or not you're going to adjudicate one party the father, and obviously if the person is adjudicated to not be the father, then the case is done. Right. And at the... Uh the timing on these motions are to establish paternity petition and paternity. Um, I mean, you could do it the day after the baby's born. You could do it when the child is 17 years old, right? Right. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, it, only pater only a, only a petition for paternity, which puts you in the juvenile courts, um, can go both ways. The allocation of parental responsibilities can only be done after the child's born. Right. And uh, the paternity case. Is different, right? So we were, you're you're talking about the allocation of parental rights and responsibilities. That's a case, an, where you would, that you would file when you have two unmarried parents, but there's not a dispute about paternity, right? For the most part, yeah. For the most part, and, and uh, because you can still ask for a paternity test even in an allocation case, right. and I want to talk about the difference between the two cases. But the um, the allocation case. Um, is different than a paternity case in a couple of really important ways, right? Yeah. For example, the paternity case, you have, the court has jurisdiction to go back and order back child support, including birth, uh, birthing expenses, right? Absolutely do. So if this a paternity case is filed with a 17-year-old, the biological dad could be on the hook for 17 years of child support plus birthing expenses if the mom can dig up those expenses, right? Could be. Versus an allocation case. Sure, absolutely. A allocation case is going to pick up when the petition was filed. Yep, data filing and absolutely no birthing costs, even if it's within reason. Like, if somebody would file the allocation of parental responsibilities, like you said, the day the child was born, and or, and the mother said, I want birthing costs, the court is without jurisdiction to do so. Right, and the, the, uh, the timing for filing is really up to the person who files, the mom or the dad. Absolutely. And so, again, you could do it right away or you could wait and see how it goes. But the risk in waiting and filing maternity action is, of course, that you could get socked with all of the back child support, right? Sure. You could. You could. Um, I mean, it's up to the, is it up to the judge? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It um, is up to the judge. The difficulty with calculating that child support, uh, back child support, is also uh, 
pretty significant because child support is based on the income of the parties and the expenses of the parties, and you're going to have to go back and look at the child support right. and uh, the income of the parties for each of these years. And Absolutely. And you have to, you're going to have to run probably 20, 30 different worksheets to go all the way through. I mean, but you don't have to do that. It's up to the judge how you do right. it, right? I mean, you could run a worksheet that's current today, and the judge just says that's what it is, right? Well, ultimately, it's going to be cared, compared to what the parties make today because, I mean, even if... You know, for instance, if, if a paternity acts, and let's say both parties were making a million dollars a year, and they were doing child support based on that, but now the parties are only making $20,000 a year, they have to base any old child support, for the most part, on the current child support to find out if there's an ability to pay in that type of circumstance. Because if there's no ability to pay, they can't ever award that. Yeah, I mean, it's really complicated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's lots of arguments and things going back and forth here, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've had those cases where you do multiple child support worksheets for previous uh, previous years. And I mean, it just gets really complicated. Yeah, I've had I know in one in one of my cases, I've had I think eight different sections of child support worksheets for periods of time. Right on. That's <laughs> uh, that's got to be some kind of record. Yeah. Um, so so how does uh, uh, what what generally happens in a paternity case? How is that different, or how is it the same when you're comparing an allocation or a divorce case? I mean, we've already mostly talked about the biggest difference. In my opinion, the biggest difference is, at least as far as procedurally or hurdles go, is the birthing costs aspect and how far back a child support obligation could be awarded in that in that regards. Thank you for listening to this week's Divorce Insight podcast. To get a copy of our free ebook, An Introduction to Divorce, click on the link below in the show's notes. Please contact our office for a free consultation. We're available to help you with any issue related to family law and divorce. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you stop by again soon. As a final note, please be advised that the information in this podcast is for general informational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast may be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Please retain a lawyer for legal advice. This information is not intended to create and receipt of or listening to this podcast does not constitute an attorney-client relationship.